I did see this video of like how to look your best on Zoom or something. Yeah. And I was like, this is what the world needs right mm-hmm. now. Like this yeah. is you gotta this have is some quality humor. content. Yeah. <laughs> It's like all about finding the right lighting. And I go for a a more blushy bronzer with cameras or whatever. I was like, is this real life? You're listening to Lead Him to Life, where it's our prerogative to explore what it means to be authentically human and fully alive. We have far more questions than answers, but believe that extraordinary answers can be found in the ordinariness of a journey. I'm your host, Emily Leadham. Hello, friends, and welcome to Lead Them to Life. I am so honored to be sitting down with Mary Weber today. Mary Weber is a therapist, a counselor with the Catholic Family Services in Sioux Falls. Mary, welcome to Lead Them to Life. Thank you. Okay, tell us a little bit about who you are. Give us a brief introduction to start us out. Sure. Well, like you said, my name's Mary, and I live in Sioux Falls. I'm married. I have three adult children. I'm a new grandma. You're a new grandma. Let's just take a moment to celebrate that. Yeah. Even amidst quarantine, babies are still coming, right? Yes, yes. Ready or not. We got to celebrate the good stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And I've been a counselor for 32 years in residential treatment. I worked with children. I ran our domestic violence shelter, been in private practice, and then have... Um, done contract work with Catholic Family Services, and now this is my main job. Wow. What got you into counseling in the first place? Yeah, I wish I had something really profound to say, but (laughs) I finished my undergraduate early and wasn't ready to leave my friends and thought, well, this seems interesting. You're kidding me. No. Oh my gosh. Sold the truth. And yet then my first job and my first child I saw, then the first adult, I'm like, oh, this is where God was directing me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, how cool. How cool. Well, I'm so grateful that you're spending some time with me today. Um, What I want to spend kind of a lot of our time talking about is grief. And and this came from uh, kind of a revelation that I've had recently uh, talking with with friends, reflecting on my own life, uh, looking at the current pandemic and kind of the current um, experiences Easter a few weeks ago. Um, I'm grieving. I'm grieving the loss of things. I think a lot of people are grieving, but we're not able to readily name that. It's like, what is this unpleasant feeling that I have and the sadness that I feel? It's like, Oh, it's grief. So I want to spend a lot of our time just kind of talking about grief in a really practical way. Um, first of all, can you can you describe for us a little bit um, what really is grief? And then also, what are some of the manifestations of grief in the human person? How do we see it? Uh, how is it expressed? Sure. I like how, how you're framing this, Emily, because sometimes I think when we think of grief, we only think of grief when someone has passed away. Yeah. And that is significant and profound grief. But you're right with this pandemic, people have layers and layers of loss and layers and layers of grief that maybe we haven't even been able to name. So grief is our thoughts and feelings that we're having as a reaction to something. So it may be because someone has passed away. But it also may be because we're living in a time of uncertainty or things are different from what we have thought they would be. And and grief manifests itself. I think, again, the world sometimes when we think of grief, we think, oh, that means we're sad. 
And then I'll have people say, well, that's really not the emotion I'm feeling. And I'm like, well, tell me about that. And they'll be like, I am crabby or I am stressed or I'm not sleeping or I'm sleeping all the time. And I'm like, guess what? That's grief. That's grief because grief impacts us emotionally, socially, physically, cognitively, and spiritually. So in every aspect of our body and every aspect of our life, and it shows up in so many different ways, but we might not have named it as grief. So when I talk to people, one of the things we've been doing, so I'm a farm girl and grew up with you know, lots of boards and bricks that we would mm-hmm. make things out of. So in my office, I have bricks. Not sure why, but I do. And, and so I'll, I'll hold a brick if I'm meeting with someone in person. Yesterday, when, for my telehealth calls, I said, draw pictures of bricks okay. you know, on some paper. And I said, let's name the losses that you have been metaphorically carrying these last days, weeks. And as I start that, people will be like, "Mm, I can't think of anything. And then they'll start naming maybe loss of income, Uh loss of my schedule, loss of seeing friends, at least the way I'm typically used to seeing friends, Um, loss of routine, loss of structure. I think the Easter holiday, even though the celebration of why we celebrate Easter was the same, it looked different in our homes. Traditions. Traditions. Mm -hmm. And so then as people can name their losses, their grief, then I say, okay, you pick which one you want to hold. And then let's talk about that. Let's unpack these layers of loss or grief that you've been carrying. Wow. So when you say layers, to me, that gives an idea that there's some depth too. Are Mm -hmm. these things stacked on top of each other? And there's maybe things that we hold more deeply. And then there's things that are kind of up higher at the surface. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, I'm just thinking of the bricks. Like, I I, I think that metaphor is really profound and and I need to sit with it for a little while. But I think there's, for some people, maybe the brick that's kind of at the bottom is the one that feels really heavy. Yeah. And then there's other ones that are maybe Mm -hmm. less so. Um, So maybe it's, it's the grieving of time. Mm -hmm. Uh, One, one big one for me right now is I'm really grieving time with our family, with our extended family, with our parents. You know, I've got little kids and they're missing grandma and grandpa. Mm -hmm. And I just, you know, it rips my heart out. My, my three-year-old the other day said, maybe we should go to Grammy and Papa's, you know, go to grandma and Papa Joe's. And I was like, oh, we can't. That was a big one. Yeah. And then there are other things. So when you are asking people, okay, which which one do you want to hold right now? Do people tend to jump right into the big the big ones? Do they start at the I'm missing watching my favorite sports team? Although for some people that might be a big one. Yeah. I don't mean to like yeah. um, diminish that. For me, that would not be the the top of my priority. Uh, but do people start up high? Do they dig down deep? Does it depend? And where would you recommend that they start? Sure. And you know what? I don't think there's a right or a wrong, but I I think it's what you would typically expect. And it's what we do, right? We talk about the surface stuff first. Yes. And, and like, I miss going to the grocery store. Yeah. I miss um, walking with my friend. I, it's, it's, it's 
and almost people are a little bit embarrassed to be able to even say, gosh, this is something I miss. Mm -hmm. But it's still a loss. And really all we want to do, we want to name it. We want to talk about it and feel however you're feeling about it, that there's no right or wrong. But then the more I think we're willing to listen to one another, then the truth, we really get to those depths of the truth. I am really worried about um, farming this year. Mm. I am really worried um, for our finances. I am grieving not seeing my elderly parent in the nursing home. Yeah. I am at a loss for what to tell my children. I am struggling in my marriage right now. Um, I feel alone. Mm -hmm. I feel helpless. And yet I'm a person of faith, but I'm having a hard time trusting. Yeah. You know, and and gosh, when we can sit with that and and be brave enough to go to those those core levels of pain, of loss, of grief, really a lot of it is very universal. It's just sometimes we we're not sure if it's okay to talk about and I think it's actually what we have in common and mm. and I also think the more vulnerable we can be with trusted people, it's really a reflection of strength, not Amen. weakness. Amen. Amen. Yeah, I could not agree more. And and I'm just the the thing that's kind of striking me um, as you're talking about naming these things, that takes a lot of courage. Yeah. It takes a lot of courage to say, um, I'm gonna pick up this thing and I'm gonna look at it yeah. and I'm gonna name it and I'm gonna describe it. Yeah. And it takes courage then to put it back down. Uh, I think the the reality is uh, in your work, you're you're doing this with clients, with people who are willing to put in the work and to say, I need this. But it's because there's a natural tendency in us to want to avoid mm-hmm. it. Uh, we don't want to. We don't we don't want to. It's hard. Right. Uh, it's it might be heavy. It might be ugly. It might make me cry. Mm-hmm. It might make me mad, et cetera. What um, why do you think? we as humans so often want to avoid grief. And and I'd also be curious, what are the ways that you see that happen? Uh, what are the tactics, you know, that, that we as humans use, I think, to kind of put our little walls up sure. uh, to not have to deal with sure. it? Sure. Well, I think it comes from, you know, an honest place in people, but I've been guilty of this. Hey, how are you? Fine. Okay. And we just keep walking See by. See you later. Yeah. Um, <laughs> hope you have a great day. And, and the shorter the conversation, right, the safer. Right. Sure. I mean, we are very Midwestern people here where it's a lot of smiles, a lot of hi, how you doing? And not that it's not genuine, but it, it becomes almost this pattern of, yeah of pleasantries. And and I think sometimes it can seem that vulnerability with our feelings can be viewed as a weakness or that something is wrong with us when in essence that is exactly the opposite. You know, the people that are the most honest about, wow, this is what I'm feeling, this is what I'm carrying, this is what I'm struggling with really are the bravest of all. And the most attractive. Yeah. I find myself very attracted to people who live yeah. transparently yeah. in that way. Well, it's very authentic. Yes. But yeah. it's, it's um, as Brene Brown would say, you know, we have to step into our Love arena. Yeah. And and gosh, 
that doesn't always sound exciting. You know, I don't know if I want to step in the arena because maybe I just want to stay on these perimeters. And, and also, you know, we, we are kind of designed, maybe if we avoid it, maybe it goes away. And so when I'm with younger kids, I'll have them, it, like however many things that they're struggling with, I'll give them a pillow to hold. And and then they'll say, I'm struggling with this. And here's another pillow because I don't want to keep stacking bricks on them. So I, I do <laughs> something pillows. Something about that just yeah. doesn't seem as nice yeah. or something. Yeah. <laughs> and so I, I've had little kids like oh. be holding five pillows and I'll say, guess what? Now let's play catch. And they're like, but I can't because I'm holding all this. And, and then I'll do that with adults, too, and I'll say, okay, now go run wow. or go cook or go put your kids to bed. I can't because I'm carrying all this. Yeah, wow. because we think that we can just put it aside. Maybe we think if we ignore it, if we numb it, um, maybe it'll go away. Yes. But it, yes. it doesn't. I mean, we just know that as part of the human condition. Um there's a saying that the only feelings that don't change are the unfelt ones. So it's actually naming it and walking through whatever we're going through that is hard is the way to get to the light, is the way to get to resolution. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I'm like, you can tell I'm sitting on the edge of my chair. <laughs> I love I love this stuff because I think um, you, you the, the word that you just used, we try to numb it mm-hmm. so that we don't have to feel it. And, and I honestly think that like 99% of the problems in the world right now are because we're trying to numb the things that we don't want to face, the things that we don't have enough courage. And this is speaking to myself too, Mm -hmm. you know, to like really dig into. Um, And I think, yeah, the invitation, like God's invitation to us is this authentic life. Um, And we, and we numb in so many different ways. I think we numb with alcohol. I think we numb with Mm -hmm. pornography. I think we numb with uh, materialism, Mm -hmm. shopping, distraction, food. I Mm -hmm. mean, like food for me. Holy smokes. I'm yeah. realizing right now working from home, it's like, I've never wanted to snack so right. so much in my life. And it's like, right. where is this coming from? Yeah. Oh, it's because there's like a discomfort here that I'm trying to navigate. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, um, oh, I just think that's, I think that's absolutely beautiful. Um, wh- how do you put the pillows down? Yeah. What's, what's that process look like? Yeah. Well, I think it's, First of all, acknowledging what we're carrying, just even to say it's hard. Yeah. It is hard, even starting there. So then whether you want to do the brick metal metaphor or the pillow metaphor, if you can name them, because otherwise it does feel like just this one big thing of blah and heavy. So if we can break it apart, like per brick or per pillow, like, and name it because when we can name something, it now becomes tangible. Mm-hmm. And and now we can just hold that one. The others aren't going anywhere, mm-hmm. but let's hold that one hard thing. And then how are we feeling about it? And maybe there's tears, maybe there's anger. And then how are we going to express that? Maybe we have to cry. Maybe we have to paint. Maybe we have to go for a walk. Maybe we have to tell someone. You know, so we want to name it. We want to recognize the feeling. And then how are we going to release that feeling? Mm-hmm. You know, are we Almost gonna, in a physical way. Yep. In yep. a really physical, tangible way. Very much so. It could be a prayer. Yeah. It could be a devotion. It could be, I am going to lay this at the feet of Jesus. Mm-hmm. I mean, we can do it in so many, but I think then it takes an action. Yeah. And then 
and a lot of like, whew, a lot of deep breaths. And then, okay, how can I set that down? Yeah. And then be aware when it when we pick it back yeah. up. Yeah. And and then so I think that's kind of the unpacking of it. And then I think it's okay, what are what are things that are in my control? Because so much of this grief right now is so much feels out of our control. So it can feel very, very, very helpless. But I always think anytime we're frustrated, like the opposite of that is to be curious. So then I try and think, okay, what can we be curious about? Like, what do I have control over? What do I want Mondays to look like? What do I want Wednesdays to look like? How am I trying to have balance so I have time for self, time for immediate family? How do I have creative time for extended family or... um, friends? Yeah. How am I exercising? Am I cleaning? Am I reading? You know, and just, I've even had people like, you know, create a calendar and oh, like this is what Thursdays could look like. And put those things in. Yeah. Just so our body um, gets to have that routine, that rhythm. And and again, there are things we do have some control over. And part of that is our attitude and effort. And that doesn't mean that we're discounting the hard. But once we've unpacked the hard and knowing that it'll wash over us again, like a wave, but but then we're aware of it, like, oh, I'm irritable. I know Mm -hmm. what that's Mm -hmm. about. So I got to unpack that a little bit again. But then... What is this rhythm that I can yeah. create during this time of uncertainty? Oh, Mary, this is so stinking helpful. I feel like I'm in a session or something. This is awesome. Okay, what would you say to me if, because I think one of the things that I'm seeing right now is is comparative mm-hmm. suffering. So, uh, for example, I might be sitting here holding five pillows, but I look over at Bill, who's holding 15 pillows. Yeah. Um. Is that helpful for me to even, uh, does that make sense as a question? Sure. Like, what is that, is is comparative suffering in that way helpful? Because I think I could easily say, oh, well, my pillows aren't very heavy. Yeah. I only have five. I'm okay. And yet the reality, reality remains that I'm still holding pillows. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. So how do we navigate that? Is it helpful? Is it not helpful? Um, how do we approach that? Sure. That's such a great question, Emily. And, and I think... I think we can do both. The one thing we don't want to get into is mine is worse than everybody else's. <laughs> yeah. Um, because really everybody's going through something hard. Yeah. Everybody we meet, everybody we see in the hallway or when we're out driving in a car. The other day I'm like, okay, we just got to get out for some ice cream. Talk about, yeah. you know. Numb. Oh, we've made so many ice cream yeah. runs these yeah. days. And <laughs> there was like 12 people in line. Yes. I'm like, see, Everybody just needed a little bit of a break. Amen. But um, yeah, I loved it. But I kept thinking every one of those people has a story. Yeah. So I think if we if we take comparison in an empathetic lens and say yes, this is what I'm carrying, and I don't have to discount what I'm carrying, but I know that person's carrying something too. Mine isn't better. Mine isn't worse. Mine is different. It's unique to me. Theirs is unique to to them. I'm not an expert on theirs. All I can do is be an expert on mine. And then I always think, what do we want? When we are at our hardest point, what do we want from other people? We just want to be heard. We want to hear, be told, I see you, I hear you in our words and actions. 
So when I'm with someone else, that's what I'm trying to get across. I see you, I hear you, but they're the expert of whatever they're carrying. Mm -hmm. And then if people say, hey, how are you handling this? Then how awesome to be curious and share ideas. Mm -hmm. Or, hey, what have you found helps with um, struggles falling asleep or... You know, so be curious about what other people are doing, especially if they're a trusted person, someone you respect, but then how can you adapt some of those ideas and make it your own? Yeah. Oh, I think that's so helpful. This is uh, bringing a memory to my mind. I had a conversation with a professor in college, uh, probably the, my the, my favorite professor I've ever had. He was a psychology professor. And I said, Dr. Burry, how do you do it? How are you not so burnt out? And he said, uh, I had a profound revelation several years ago that even Jesus needed help carrying his cross. Yeah. He pulls he pulls Simon of Cyrene out and, and Jesus needed help carrying his cross. But at the end of the day, it was Jesus's cross to carry mm-hmm. and he had to give it back. Mm-hmm. Simon of Cyrene had to give it back. And, and I think about that all the time in as we're accompanying each other, as we're kind of navigating these things together, uh, when we're looking at that comparative suffering, I can absolutely pour in and I can absolutely help that person carry their cross. But I think we're going to get in, get ourselves into a lot of trouble if we end up trying to carry it to the mm-hmm. end, because at the end of the day, we have to deal with our own pillows. Right. You know, we have to deal with our own bricks. And that's where I, there's a resilience mm-hmm. that I think comes into play yeah. that we have to navigate. And I don't mean that in an, an insensitive way. Again, I think we can help each other that yeah. we need help carrying our, our help carrying our crosses. Um, but I'd be, I'd be curious just with, from your perspective, I think grief brings about and tests our resilience. Mm-hmm. What does that look like? How do we foster that? Because I think that's something I'm digging in myself right now to find right now. Where's my resilience to kind of stay strong and navigate this and come out on the other side mm-hmm. to remain positive, to remain um, steadfast, to remain focused, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So good. A, a couple things with what you said, one thing is I don't want to carry anybody else's story because then I kind of rob them of getting to be the author. Yeah, And so that's one thing in, in grief terminology, Alan Wolfelt always talks about companioning people, like walking okay. alongside people. Mm-hmm. You know, we're not asked to carry. Mm-hmm. We're, we're, we can care for people without carrying yeah. them. Which would almost do a disservice mm-hmm. to them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because... It's their story to walk through yeah. and and their lessons to learn. So I think we can definitely support. Um, the other thing it reminded me of something you said is, and, and just in recent Bible readings, when Jesus went and prayed by himself, even Jesus needed space from other people. Needed some alone time. Yeah. yeah. And kind of like, if you guys could stay awake here, that'd be yeah. awesome and yeah. pray, but I need to go off and be alone. And I thought, what a beautiful message that was to give us to take time to care for ourselves mm-hmm. because um, yeah. we need that. We yeah. need that. I mean, we... We can't pour from an empty cup, right? And so when I think about resiliency, you know, our two primary emotions are love and fear. And I always think we can operate out of 
one or the other. And sometimes they're they're sitting side yeah. by side. Yeah, they're friends. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, but I do think we can have grief and hope at the same time. Yeah. They can sit side by side and, and love and fear can as well. But I do try and think of, okay, where am I operating from? I try and do that check-in with myself because am I making a decision? Am I operating out of love or am I operating out of fear? And again, that goes back into, okay, these are things I can't control, but what can I control? And one thing I've done myself and I do it with clients is we write out our truth statements, I call them. And so that can be with crayons, it can be with markers, Mm -hmm. it can be done beautifully, but kind of like, what is our truth? What is our truth? So it might be Bible verses that mean something. It might be a quote from a book, a song. It might be something that people came up with themselves, but it's almost like our true north. So when we're Mm. really shaky and we're really, really struggling, okay, but what is our truth? Mm -hmm. And then to take a deep breath and then breathe into that truth. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't mean that the fear totally goes away, but it's like, okay, I acknowledge that I'm scared, but I know that this is temporary. And then what is my truth? And then what are healthy things I can do within my control? Mm -hmm. So we're going to acknowledge the hard stuff. I don't want people to avoid that. But then to also be spending the majority of the time in, okay, but what it, what is our truth? Mm-hmm. And and to also know that strength is asking for help. Mm. You know, being vulnerable is actually incredibly brave. So if it feels heavy, nothing wrong with saying, hey, it's a big day. It's a hard day right now. Yeah. Allowing that to be okay. Mm-hmm. Allowing yeah. us, ourselves yeah. to sit in that for a moment. Not yep. that we have to stay there forever, no. but grief and hope can sit side by side. Yeah. Oh, that's And beautiful. I think that is the definition of healing, oh. is when grief and hope learn to sit side by side. Oh, I wish we had quote cards. We yeah. need to, Bill, can we make quote cards and start putting <laughs> these out? That's yeah. beautiful. That's absolutely mm-hmm. beautiful. Um, I, I want to just go back really briefly to just that image of Jesus going off and praying by himself and, and to... Uh, my friend Joan really helped me to kind of express something that I've been pondering lately in terms of aloneness versus loneliness. Mm -hmm. And she said, Emily, I think what you're describing is solitude versus loneliness. And solitude is actually a really beautiful, good thing. Mm -hmm. It can can be, it ought to be if we do it well, if we Mm -hmm. lean into it. Um, And even in a house, even if you, you have a house full of people right now, there's still a certain level, I think, of mm-hmm. solitude that people are experiencing uh, because we're not doing the normal things. We're not getting together with extended family. We're not getting together with friends, et cetera. And I, I'm wondering, kind of the question that I'm pondering lately is, is resilience found perhaps by digging in and leaning into the solitude mm. when we're experiencing it? You know, because I think any sort of grief in some way, I think, makes us feel a bit alone. Yeah. Right. I don't, yeah. I don't know if that's totally true. Yes. Um, but I think, yeah, I, yeah. I think there's a reality that grief kind of gives us that feeling because, and that's what grief is, right? It's the loss of mm-hmm. something. And even in a room full of people, we might still be feeling the loneliness right. of that loss. And, and I just think that there's an invitation right now into a proper form of solitude mm-hmm. and, is that a place where we can find resilience? Yeah. And how do we do that? You know? Yeah. I love that. I, and another thing I would add to that is solitude 
I feel is intentional. Yeah. It, it's it's an intentional calming, mm-hmm. kind of calming of the storm that's kind of stirring in us. Loneliness, we can feel lonely by ourselves. We can feel lonely in a room full of people. I think lonely is more of a helpless feeling. And solitude is more an intentional, calming, an intense, intentional time of a peace. Yeah. And and again, sometimes those sit side by side. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so I do think you're right, though, that resiliency can be born in intentional solitude because it's what that's where we check in with ourselves. Yeah. What am I carrying today? Mm-hmm. What is hard? What do I need to feel? What do I need to set down? And then what are good things I can do for myself or for others today? Mm-hmm. And then when we're feeling lonely, that would come more out of the place of fear. And then, okay, how do I honor myself in this lonely feeling? Who do I need to reach out to? Who are my three to five people that I can say, I'm having a hard day, having a hard moment, or what are three to five good things I can do for myself? I'm going to go for a walk. I'm going to go for a drive. Because really being in nature is so healing, healing, so healing. Am I going to sit in a devotional? Am I going to do... Um, do a fun little exercise class? Am I going to bake something fun? Am I going to take a shower? Am I going to play fun music? You know, so I always think we should have three to five people we should can reach out to at a moment's notice and say, I'm having a hard day. Because now we just turn fear into a love response. Oh, yeah. I was feeling lonely. I recognized it. And now I deserve to do something about that. So we changed it from fear to a love reaction. I deserve to do something about that. Yeah. I've never thought about it in that way. And I think that's extraordinarily beautiful. Yeah. It's like, I have enough dignity mm-hmm. to, to care. Yeah. I have enough dignity to acknowledge it, to yeah. to look at it and to do something about it. And enough beautiful. strength, enough strength yeah. to say it's, it's hard. Yeah. Yeah. Three to five people and then three to five things that are healthy, that are good, that just enrich your soul. Yeah. Which goes back to that courage, mm-hmm. that courage component you were talking about earlier. It's a really brave thing yeah. to be vulnerable, uh, to acknowledge it, to, to dig deeper, mm-hmm. uh, in that. Oh, how beautiful. Um, Mary, this was awesome. And I think so helpful, uh, amidst the current climate of the world and beyond, quite frankly. Mm-hmm. I just think this, this is absolutely um, extraordinary conversation. So um, one of the things that I always ask my guests at the end of our at the end of our conversation is if there's a question that you have been pondering recently. Um, uh, this comes kind of from my conviction that I think it's through and you're a therapist, so you're going to love this, but like it's through asking probing questions, Mm -hmm. right? That we learn more about ourselves and about the world. And sometimes all it takes is is the right question to come upon our lap uh, for us to think about something differently or whatever. So it can be fun. It can be silly. It can be (laughs) spiritual. It can be practical. uh, But is there a question that you have been pondering? Oh, I love that, Emily. You know what I would wonder is for all of us to think of what that moment's going to be like when we have walked through this. 
because mm-hmm. we will have walked through this. So for me, for example, since I have an elderly mom and I have a newborn granddaughter, my picture is there will be a day, it's going to be a sunny day, and everybody's just going to be outside, and we're going to be just laughing, and we're going to be together. And I'll know we have walked through this. So just for everybody to have their own image of what will that look like. On the other side. And not when when it's perfect, and because we know that won't happen, but when, because it's hope. Yeah, it's hope. And to have an image or a thought of, yeah, we've walked through this and we didn't have to walk through it alone. And and what will that look like? Okay, we're making it through this. Yes. Oh, I love that. What a great question to ponder. Um, Mary, where can people find you if they want to have further conversations with you? You're with Catholic Family Services uh, website sfcatholic.org backslash CFS. Is that right? Do you know? That sounds right. That sounds right. Yes. I'll take it in my notes. Yes. I'll take it in the show notes. I'll put you, I'll put Mary's email, phone, website, all in there um, for people to, to continue to reach out to you. Yeah. We would listen to anybody. Conversations. Because, because that's, that's what we get to hang on to, right? That we're, we don't have to do this alone. We don't have to deal with this loss, this change alone. Yeah, absolutely. We can do it together. Absolutely. Well, Mary, thank you so much for joining us. Friends, thank you so much for joining us for this episode of Lead Them to Life. I think that this is an extraordinarily important message, so I would love for you to share this episode with a friend who you think would benefit from it. Uh, Reach out to each other, love on each other, and, uh, and we will see you next time. God bless you. 